beautiful day. Sure yes. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. My sister, can you pray for us? Thanks. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for this little church in which we're about. Yes. I don't know what in the world that my life would be like without this church and the people in it. We ask that you be with the teachers this morning. And in what comes time for Brother Steve, we ask that you give him what he stands in need of. Make preaching easy for him, dear Lord. We have no idea what he goes through every Sunday and what he does during the week to keep himself so close. But we ask that you help him in all the best endeavors. We ask that you be with our children and our grandchildren, dear God. We have Kenneth that's traveling. Today we ask that you keep him and Kevin from all harm and danger. These blessings we ask you. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. Does anyone have anything they'd like to share before we sing one more and we turn it over to Brother Robert? Well, let's look to page 526. 526. I love this song, Solid Rock. Uh, 
Good to see our little friend Lily back here. That's right. Grandmother with it. If I had a title for the lesson, uh, for the uh, devotion today, it would be Little Mark. Little New Mark. Yeah. Um, I did a, I used to try to do some of my own mechanic work, and I wasn't real smart. So I had this little children's manual that would tell me how to fix my particular car. The timing belt broke on it one time as I pulled up in the backyard. It just, that timing belt broke. <clears throat> I can fix that, I think. And so I started fixing it one Thursday night. And about 11 o'clock Friday night, I got it fixed. But there's a point here. The, the, to set the timing on the thing with that timing belt, it had a, uh, a belt and it had a, a cogged pulley or cogged gear up here. And the belt had to fit over that. And the timing mark had to be straight up and down with the cylinder head. So I got the number one cylinder on top dead center like I was supposed to, and I'm out there and I'm I've got this I've got this little gear that I'm supposed to put this belt on. And I've polished that thing, I've sprayed it with everything I've got clean. There's not a mark on it. There's not a mark on it. I said, I don't know what to do. So I decided I would try to look on the back of it. So I went in the house, got a mirror, and stuck it down behind that thing, and the time mark was on the back of it. Uh, said that to say this, uh, as we go through life, we can leave a mark on people. Amen. We can do things for them. It don't have to be something big, but just a little, you know, if I had known to look with a mirror to start with, I'd have saved myself a few hours of, of grief and, and trying to figure out exactly what I was doing. But I, I, that mark was on the back side of that pulley. I don't know why they didn't do that, but anyway, <laughs> they did. But uh, my dad would say that was an engineer, that wasn't a mechanic that designed that. But um, I read a story about a, uh, a family having their old family uh, grandfather clock worked on. And he said the, the clock uh, guy opened it up and he said, he called him, he said, come here, I'm going to show you something. He said, right there is a, a reference mark that somebody maybe a hundred years ago worked on this clock. And it's a point that the clockmaker needs to know this point to start working to set the clock, make it work right. And he said he left that. He said he took a little, a little instrument and, and cut a little reference mark right there for the next guy. When he worked on this clock, he would know where to start. He wouldn't have to figure it all out himself. And, and you know, as we, as we live, um, we can help people. Uh, we can do things uh, just, it don't have to be big, just something little means a, a world to some people. Our neighbor, uh, her ice maker quit working on the refrigerator. She can't afford to get fixed. And so Elaine takes her ice out there every couple of days. She'll take her big old Ziploc bag of ice and it just thrills that lady to death. She just talks about how sweet Elaine is for bringing her ice. Well, it's just a little bitty thing, but, but she's leaving a mark. Little Mark, and um, in the um, 15th chapter of uh, Romans, um, Paul tells us, he says, in the first verse, he says, We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak, and not to please ourselves. 
Let every one of us please uh, let every one of us please his neighbor for his good edification. For even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, reproach of them that re reproach thee fell on me. For whosoever things uh, were for whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Now the God of patience and of consolation grants you to be like-minded one toward another according to Jesus Christ, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's what I got today. Just do something and uh, just leave them alone. Just, just let them know you love them. Uh, sometimes just a phone call, um, just a, uh, a text or a message some way. Just, just contact people. Let them know you're thinking about them. Sometimes that thought means more than anything you could do for them. Just to know that, hey, there's people out there that, that love me and think about me every once in a while. So uh, as we go through um, life, let's leave a mark. Be it at school, at work, at church, in our neighborhood, uh, wherever we're at. The grocery store. You see, you know, maybe somebody's trying to reach something they can't reach it. Help them out. Get it for them. It don't hurt. It helps. And, and, they, and they're very thankful for that. Um, so let's just try to do that. I'm going to try to do that more than uh, I ever have. Anyone got anything you'd like to say this morning before we take our classes? Testimony or anything? We had a good message at Revival last uh, Monday night. Yeah, sure did. And I'm sure glad I followed you guys because um, there's another Oak Grove Missionary Baptist Church in Albertville. It's down by the airport, and I would have turned and went out through there uh, to find that one. Uh, <laughs> and, and missed y'all by 15 or 20 miles, I guess. But uh, anyway, it was a good service. We're glad to be there. Okay, there's not anybody else. We'll, uh, we'll take the classes at this time. break up the conversation or not there. Well, I gotta tell you one more thing. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> Daddy had a meeting I tried to learn to fly and it 
when you had the outdoor garden, it act like it was just about to die. It and when you turned around and worked at Sue's Bar and it took off, you had a hard time keeping some plowed up everything. He had a low range and a high range. Turned around, boy, this bird. Oh, I'm glad there's not any kids in here right now to laugh at us old folks. A good morning, everyone. Can we all agree there was just the slightest touch of autumn in the air the other morning? Just the slightest. Yeah. Well, good to be here this morning. We do have a lot out. Um, we're going to start in the 15th chapter of the book of Genesis, but I, I want to reiterate something about the Old Testament. Um, I've been trying to come up with an analogy, but I haven't done a very good job of it. So, The Old Testament, uh, some would say it's just history. And for the most part, it really is. It's history and some Psalms and some Proverbs. But it's also the foundation of the New Testament. Yeah. You can grasp the New Testament, uh, but to really, really understand a lot of what goes on in the New Testament, being familiar with the Old Testament, things make more sense, if I could put it that way. Uh, some of the things they did in the Old Testament, when you see it in the New Testament, you understand how it was changed or, or why it was a problem. So it's never a waste of time to study the Old Testament because it is the foundation. There's, I think the phrase that's always been used is types and shadows of the New Testament. Uh, and, and there's a lot of symbols in the Old Testament that, that come into the New Testament. Uh, you know, just so many things. If you didn't understand a little bit in the Old Testament about the Passover, then the Lord's Supper wouldn't be as clear to you as it is because it replaced it. Um, so we just keep that in mind. Uh, the Old Testament, now, there's some books in the Old Testament, one in particular called Leviticus, that has killed many a person that set out to read through the Bible. I'm not going to deny that. Uh, there, there's some of the laws and some of the ceremonies that just like you just like, oh my goodness. But, um, and a lot of that we, you know, the ceremonial part of the law was done away with, with Christ. He's our high priest. And we, we say he's our high priest. But if you understand the jobs of the high priest in the Old Testament, it, it, uh, the light bulbs come on a lot easier by doing that. So we'll make mention of that. And we study Abraham, and it's such an important study because of his faith in the Old Testament. And the scripture says without faith, it is impossible to please God. That goes to us. So his faith is such a good example unto us here in the New Testament times. So to get us up to speed from the 14th chapter, the, the confederate kings of the north had come down and put a whipping on the kings of the south and had taken all their things and people and headed back north and took Abraham or Abram at this time, his nephew Lot and his family with him. So Abram gathers up his own men within his own house 
And he goes and defeats those kings and rescues Lot. And two other things he does is he meets what I think is the Old Testament Christ in a, a named Melchizedek, gives him a tenth of all he has, and on a, in, in essence worships him. And then the king of Sodom, he refuses. He rebukes him for what he wanted to do. Now, I, I had never really thought about it. Between verses 14 and 15, I, I guess we'd say life gets back to normal. But let's don't forget, Abram's just as human as you and I are. And when he lays down at night, he's got to be thinking, well, I get woke up in the night down the road from these five kings coming back for revenge. You know, I put a whipping on them, but one night they may decide to come back and put a whipping on me for what I did. Um, let's keep in mind, these Old Testament people are human just like we are. They have emotions just like we do. And I can't help but think that that had crossed his mind more than once. But God was so pleased, I believe, with Abraham that he speaks to him again here in chapter 15. And it says, After these things the word of the Lord came unto Abraham in a vision. Sister Hillary, we finally know this time how he spoke to him. Right. Yes, finally. We've got one. Spoke to him in a vision. And what did he say to him? Quit worrying. Quit dreading. I guess the title for this lesson would be the old Don't Worry, Be Happy. He says, tells Abraham, quit. It's fear not, but I think in our terms we'd say quit worrying. You know, the thing about fear is it paralyzes you. Uh, the old fight or flight. You know, when people are really afraid, they tend to get paralyzed. They can't think clearly. It affects everything in their life. But here, the first thing, I, I like to use the phrase, uh, the Lord addresses the elephant in the room and tells Abraham, quit worrying. Quit worrying. Yeah. But not only does he tell him to quit worrying, but he tells him why he can quit worrying. Because I am thy shield. You shielded Lot. You've shielded your family. But I'm your shield, Abraham. I've got this we want to put it in terms today. I can handle this. I am thy shield. And I want you, if you ever notice in the Bible when you see a word in italics, that means the translators added that word to make things make the sentence run a little easier for us. But I kind of like it without it. When when the Lord says, I thy shield. I got you covered, Abraham. Quit worrying, quit dreading. And not only am I thy shield, but I am thy exceedingly great reward. You know, he refused the king of Sodom's reward, didn't he? But God says, I got I'm your reward, Abraham. You haven't missed out on anything. I'm your I'm your shield and I'm your reward. What a, what two huge statements to make. You know, if we go to the New Testament in Matthew in the Sermon on the Mount, we get down to the verse where he says to us, 
take no thought. And I think he said the very same thing. Don't worry. Don't worry about what you'll eat. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. He said all these things do the Gentiles seek, the lost. And he talks about the sparrows, how that they don't go to the work, but God takes care of them. And aren't we worth more than many sparrows? Amen. So, you know, right off the bat, this lesson speaks to me also. Uh, God's got it. God's got it. Now, I'm not going to be such a fool to say the first time my teenage kids went out driving, I wasn't a wee bit concerned about it that evening, okay? Uh, you know, and there are some things that concern me. But just to be paralyzed by fear and dread, we're missing out on such peace. It'll, that'll rob us of our peace so fast. And really, you could almost say it shows a little bit of a lack of faith that God really is in control. Yeah? If we're not careful, we'll say, God can run the universe, but I've got to handle this. Right? Yeah. I've got to handle this. Yeah. He's done it for everybody. He did it for you. He won't do it for me. That's not the promise. That's not the promise. So... Is it my job to plan absolutely as good, well as I can? Sure it is. And to, and to do things that need done? Yes. But in the really big picture, he's got us right here, doesn't he? Yeah. He said one place, talking about our eternal souls, what's in his hand, no man can pluck out. He's got this. And I know life can get crazy and upside down sometimes. And uh, there's curves in the road that we don't expect that we have to deal with. But let's don't ever forget, he's still in control. He still overrides everything. And let's don't fear and dread and worry about life. Don't worry. Life's pretty short. I want to try to enjoy it. Yes. Yeah. And fear and worry will destroy our joy in this life, it really will. But he also told him he's an exceedingly great reward. Well, let me back up. Anybody comment on that first verse? That's a huge verse. And Abram said, Lord God, what would thou give me as a reward, seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. What do you think the attitude of Abraham is here? Is he questioning God? Or is he just asking, How are you going to do this? I don't understand. I think it's a... If it's me, I'd be putting up an excuse. That's uh, all I need to worry anyway. And my personality, I don't know that was Abraham. You know, God just told him, fear not. And he said, yeah, this right here, that's right here, that's right here. Uh, so I don't know. And that's what my response would be. 
it's hard to turn those things and the more of a perfectionist you are the harder it is well now remember God's already told Abraham his seed would be as the sands of the sea didn't he and I, 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 I don't know I guess Abraham here I don't particularly think he's questioning God's ability he's asking how's this going to shake out yeah I don't have any seed. How's this going to work out? What kind of reward are you going to give me? You're my reward, but I don't understand. Maybe that's the bottom line. Lord, I don't understand. How is this going to work out for good when it's a bad thing? Yeah. Well, we could spend a week on Job here, couldn't we? Yeah. But uh, we won't go that route today. But I, I really think he's asking God here, I don't understand. How is this going to play out? I don't have a son. I don't have any children. But in verse 4, and I don't think it took long at all, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this Eliezer shall not be thine heir but he or, or thine heir shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir point blank no Abraham not, not your somebody in your house your son will be your heir your real son your true son And the Lord brought him forth abroad and said, Look now towards heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. Is there any, anything more amazing than a really, really clear, cool winter night and no moon whatsoever and you go out and look up? And you get a pair of binoculars and you see even more of them. And you get a telescope and you see even more of them. He told Abraham, it's going to be your son and like the sands of the sea and the stars in the heavens will be your descendants. You know, Michael, um, it, it tells us a little bit about God and, and how to decipher things that he says um, because just for say um, that God's Told told someone you know spoke you know the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said that your family will will one day be a uh, a, a powerful influential family uh, and you'll be very wealthy. Now I'm not saying you would, but but he he he's not telling the person that he tells that he will be wealthy. <laughs> Just as he told Abram that your seed will be as the sands of the sea. But it took hundreds of years for it to become that way. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it, it used to be that that families, you know, I would, uh, like, for my grandparents' family, my cousin Danny was the first person that had a, a, a college education in our family. And then I was the second one. And my sister was the third one. 
and then uh, some of my cousins have, have but you know I and, and I have worked in the field that I you know graduated in um and and I, I did a little better than my my parents and my children are are doing better than than we do and and that was the American dream as it was thought of was that my children will do better than I did and their children will do better than they did but now I think that uh, American dream has been lost into what can I get what can you do for me now and and there I, I think God looks at it God has an eternal outlook on life um, he does not I mean, he, it's not that he can't comprehend it, but he doesn't promise things in, in necessarily our time frame. He, he promises things in his time frame. And we're told, and Abram, as he became Abraham, and, and he, he did this, we're told to do the good work, the, the reasonable service, and that God will give the increase. And it might not be in my generation, it may not be in my son's generation, it may not be in his son's generation, but it could be further on out there. But God already sees it happening. And um, we, I, I just think that it, it helps to have an eternal outlook uh, and I, I think I, I come right back part of my faith one of my favorite verses in the Bible is where uh, Shadrach Meshach and Abednego said that our God is able to to save us but if he doesn't it'll be okay Amen. it'll be okay too it will not serve your God and uh, you know I, when I had surgery the other day, you know, I felt confident that I would come out of it. Now, I didn't know I would come out of it in the stage I was in, and my surgeon had warned me that that was a possibility. Um, but I knew that if I didn't, it'd be okay too. Sure. I, I will say this. Um, one of the times that the Holy Spirit has, has spoke to me, and it was almost audible. I, I, you know, I can't tell you that it, if you were in the truck with me, you would have heard it. But it, to me, it, it was almost that, that loud. Was um, the first time that I was diagnosed with a brain tumor. Um, my doctor was at uh, was his office was there in the parking lot of of the Coleman Regional Medical Center and uh, he met with me and, and I, I told this but they don't do this now it's, it's all digital but back then if, if your neurologist comes in the door with a bunch of uh, MRI scans in one hand and one in the other it's not a good day because he has something to show but uh, I got out there to the I, I met with, with Chris and and um, he, he told me that and um, 
he, he said the, the plan that we had, that he had for uh, get me in touch with a neurosurgeon and, you know, but, you know, I, I was about Chris. I, I'm, I'm coming out of, the, of his office saying, you know, but, but what about this? What about Linda? What about the kids? Uh, uh, the kids were in high school at that time. Um, well, Nikki was at Auburn, when in the first year at Auburn, and, and Robbie was in high school. And my worries were not for me, but for Linda and the kids. And I got to the, the red light in front of the, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm worried about those things. And the Holy Spirit said, it'll be okay. And through through three rounds of, of radiation, another brain surgery, I've never got back to that point where I worried because it's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. You know, and I, I may stay in this chair the rest of my life. And my life may not be but a couple more months, but then it may be 20 years or longer. But it's going to be okay. Sure. Because God's got it in His hands. Could Abram or could we look at the stars and really grasp how many there are? No. It's above our comprehension, isn't it? For Abraham to look at that, he just have to say, wow, I can't do that. But here in the New Testament, we're promised eternal life. And I think we grasp that just about as much as Abraham grasped how many stars there are. Our reward, that eternal life, a life that never, ever ends. Without the, the negative things of this life in a fallen world, uh, we should be more astounded than Abraham was trying to count the stars to what we've been promised here in the, the church age. Michael, I agree with you. Um, you know, you, I know because of what happened to me on Monday night at, at, at home in 1969, I have an eternal life uh, in, in, in the presence of my Lord. But uh, when, when your surgeon says, I think we need to do surgery tomorrow, and you may not survive it. I don't think that will be the outcome. But then you really, you you try to grasp an eternal life, and you can't. That's right. No. And if there was a key verse to all of this, it's verse 6. And Abram believed the Lord. And the Lord accounted it to him for righteousness. Now in the Old Testament, they didn't get saved like we get saved in the New Testament. Uh, I think they're just as saved as we are, but, but things were different then, as, as we talked earlier. They looked forward to Christ, whereas we look backwards to Christ. As far as when He They were looking for Him to come, we're looking that He came. But Abram believed Him. He believed God. And I don't believe that that was a casual thing. I think it settled his nerves. Yeah. And that belief, that faith, God recognized. Yeah. 
And he, or God, said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of Ur of the Chaldees to give thee this land to inherit it. He's renewing his promise to him. And then Abraham asks the question, and he said, Lord God, whereby shall know, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? And here we go. Well, let me just read some of it first. And he said unto him, God said unto Abram, Take me a heifer of three years old, and a she-goat of three years old, and a ram of three years old, and a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And Abram took unto him all these, and divided them in the midst, and laid one piece, one against the other, but the birds divided he not. Now, what he's participating in was called a blood covenant. And what they basically did was they'd be a, or they'd dig one, or let's just say a little trench, or a small ditch, and they would take the animals, the birds, whatever, well, not the birds here, but they'd divide them, half and half. And that blood would run down into the ditch. And the two people making a vow would walk in that blood basically saying if I break this covenant you can you come get my blood blood's on me then. blood's on me yeah like for us let's say a young couple's getting married and the the, the groom the guy's father is participating in he says I'll, I'll take this covenant that my son will be good to your daughter that he'll take care of them that he'll do right and he walked he walked through that and said, if it's not, you take it out on me. And then the, the bride's father says, Well, if, if my bride's not good to your husband, if you know, in, in the same way, I walk through the blood and the responsibility, you, it's on me. You come to me. You take my life, basically. That's what a blood covenant was. This is something Abraham was obviously familiar with, because he he didn't have to have detailed instructions what to do. And, and they would just walk in it and they'd get on their sandals and we won't get into shoes. That's a whole other topic. But there's this blood covenant. Abraham asked God, how, 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 are you gonna, how am I going to know this? And he's, Abraham said, God, <laughs> the Lord's going to make a covenant with Abraham here. And there was a period of time in, in verse 11, and when the fowls came down upon the carcasses, Abraham drove them away. That was the only, I'll go ahead and make that as the only thing Abraham did in this covenant besides the sacrifice was driving the fowls away from it. But it said in verse 12, and when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and lo, and horror of great darkness fell upon him. And God said unto Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs and shall serve them and they shall afflict them four hundred years. And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge and afterwards shall they come out with great substance. What in the world is God talking about? The Egyptian bondage. The Egyptian bondage of the children of Israel which was way down the road. 
Anybody doesn't think God knows the future? You know, this all started with uh, Joseph. We'll, we'll, that's on later in Genesis if we decide to go that far. Joseph is sold down into Egypt because of the famine and his brothers and all come down there. And they grow to be a, a mighty people in the nation of Egypt. And then soon enough, says, how does it put it? A Pharaoh rose who knew not Joseph, I believe is how it went. That's close. As they became in bondage. And for 400 years, Abraham's seed is in bondage. But then they came out of that bondage. And you could not have destroyed Egypt more with an army of 2022 than where they were destroyed. No crops. Few cattle, firstborn of them died, and then they were spoiled. They gave them, they gave the children of Israel whatever they wanted to get out of town. Just go. Why did God show Abraham this? Why would He have shown Abram this? Is there any more of a type and shadow of salvation? than the children of Israel coming out of Egypt. You've got the Passover. You've got the passing through the Red Sea. I think he's showing him, he's showing him plan of salvation's infancy. If I put, I hate to use that word, it was before the beginning of the earth. But he showed him a glimpse, something really important in his seed. And it was going to be this. Yeah. The children of Israel suffered just like Christ suffered. It took the blood to preserve them from the destroyer. Yeah. So he's showing Abraham a glimpse of salvation here, I think, through what happened with the children of Israel. But he told Abraham in verse 15, And, and thou, or are you, Abram, shall go to thy fathers in peace, thou shalt be buried in a good old age but in the fourth generation they shall come hither again for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full so here he knows just how bad the Amorites are going to be doesn't he again a glimpse into the future that God can see but here's the good part and it came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark behold a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces a fire did Abraham walk through those pieces no this was a covenant God made with Abraham not a covenant with Abraham but a covenant to Abraham 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 had no ability to keep this covenant God was going to make this covenant with Abraham. God was going to do all the work. God was going to see it came through. Now there's another huge type and shadow of Christ. All we have to do is believe. He's done all the work at Calvary. I don't have a covenant with Christ. Christ has a covenant with me. Yeah. He did all the work. Yeah. I'm not, if I had to build a temple or if I had to do this or I had to do that but all I have to do is believe just like Abram did yeah to have the righteousness 
Yeah. So here's two huge types and symbols and shadows of things to come in the New Testament. God made that covenant. He says, and I'll keep it. You don't have to worry about it, Abraham. I got it in my hand. In the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, Unto thy seed I have given this land from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates, the Kenites, and the Kenizzites, and the Cadmonites, and the Hittites, and the Perizzites, and the Rephaims, and the Amorites, and the Canaanites, and the Gergesites, and the Jebusites. A really important chapter in the Old Testament here. We see God making a covenant, a blood covenant with Abraham, a type and shadow to come of Christ's blood covenant with us. Yeah. You want a, a word? I'm, I'm done this morning. I got a question about the birds. <coughs> I do not know. Maybe his knife wasn't that sharp. I don't know. <laughs> that is interesting why you know, the birds weren't. Then he had to keep those eagles and buzzards off of them, didn't he? Yeah. Crows. Crows. What? Two different encounters. With God and Abraham, one of them started with fear not, and the other one started with the, uh, you know, of surety that I see will be a stranger in the land. And it was like, hmm, I would prefer those those fear not encounters myself. It's bad news encounters, but they come. But God says, Abraham, I'm going to make a covenant, and I'm going to do all these things for you. Because of your faith. Because you believed. That was the reason. And we stop to think that if we accept Christ, all the things, all the things He did for us and will do for us, simply because we believed. Yeah. Accept the gift. Yes, sir. Uh, mother, uh, she
see why Paul said, I glory not, save the cross. That's where that blood was shed. Yeah. You cannot separate Christ and His blood. It's, it's so much a part of it. As we see here way back in Genesis. Yeah. All right, well, I appreciate everybody's help, and we'll pick up next Sunday. <laughs>